Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. Read to you last week from 1 Corinthians. Uh, for those of you who are here, I talked a little bit about how there was uh, some dissension. We, we don't have the whole side of the story. We're hearing Paul's words back to the church in Corinth. This particular reading is from uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, there's times that um, I just don't understand the translators of how they translate things. They, they have the word here that is translated as divisions in chapter 1, verse 10, and in chapter 11, verse 18. All of a sudden, they get here to chapter 12, verse 25, and they translate it another way. So it's, I, I, I stumbled on it at the 9 o'clock service. Hopefully, I won't stumble on it today with you now that I've had a second time to go through it, or a third time. But the word is in Greek, it's uh, uh, shema, shema. And if you hear, you hear it pronounced, it doesn't mean anything to you, but once you see it spelled out, you know exactly what it is. It's S-C-H-I-S-M-A, schism. And that's, that's the breaking apart of something. And so the Greek word for division uh, comes from what we call schism, to break up. Those of you that are following the, the national news, I mean, what's going on with the United Methodist, international news, what's going on in the United Methodist Church, you're mindful of the fact that we're facing schism here. John, can you tell me why they translate something like that crazy like that? Okay. You have permission to put the blind down. There we go. All right. It, but it's, it's here this time. I thought it would be over, start over here. Okay. All right. See, the, the, the AV texts are told never to lower the blind while I'm talking. That I'm important. <laughs> they have done it anyway. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body of one is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, Paul writes here uh, several groups. Well, he could, we could expand on that. Paul writes, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. We could say legal immigrant, illegal immigrant. We could say gay or straight. We could, there's lots of things we could say there. He, in other places, Paul would say male, female. And we're all made, we're all made, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member. The body, he, the word he uses here for member is like body parts, body parts. That's the, that's the, almost the way it would be in Greek. Say, because indeed the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, he's talking about what you and I would call private parts, okay, um, we, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with great respect. He's having a little fun there with it. What he's basically saying is the things that sort of have the, the bad duties of our body, we cover them up and hide them from each other, and so they're the only parts that get this clothing uh, as a matter of routine. We clothe with greater honor and are and less respectable, and our, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension. Dissension is the word that previously has been translated as division. There may be no division within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We said that in our call to worship earlier in the service. We, 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 we said we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And Christ has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. Now, not shown up here is the second half of this, which will transition. He'll transition. He'll, he will say the second half, and I will show you a more excellent way. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. So I'm going to start with humor. Um, it, uh, so I, it's always safe to tell you I'm starting with humor because that gives you a chance to realize I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> but um, we'll start with humor, and you hear the story about a a wife who could not go to church that morning and or she sends her husband off and the husband comes back and she says, what did the preacher preach on? And the husband says, sin. And she, that's all he says. And she says, well, what did he have to say about it? Well, he's against it. <laughs> he's against it. Now, it was my plan when I thought I had a little bit more time, I was going to then sing to you and the words I was going to sing to you were from what the bells played. I was just going to read you the words of the poetry of what the bells played. You, you, heard, you heard the sound, but you didn't hear the poetry. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Now, Paul is saying something in this letter. It's almost like the inquiry the wife had of the husband. What, what is Paul saying here? Paul is telling us something about division. 
Is Paul for division or against it? Uh, I can't hear you there. Is Paul for division or against it? He's against it. He's again it. He's again it. And we, and we went through this in our call to worship a few minutes ago. We, we read in our call to worship, uh, written by Carrie, Carrie Greenfield, and she wrote, It might be more convenient to be independent, lone ranger Christians who find their own path, not beholden to others or woven into their lives in any significant way. And then we responded, we came back, and we quoted 1 Corinthians back to ourselves. But we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It would be so easy if everything that we did would be around us, sort of alone and unafraid. We're the ones that have to, have to uh, answer the question to, to God ultimately anyway. So we make everything about us. We make it all about us. And then Paul comes back with this, this beautiful imagery here about it. No, it's not all about you individually. It's about you as a body. <coughs> Excuse me. I feel fine. I just sound terrible. So Paul comes back here. and, and So the, the question might be, what is the issue that's going on here inside of Corinth? One, one issue is leadership. There are people that are sitting there and saying, I'm, I'm, really in a follow, I'm, I'm really a follower of Apollos over here. Another one would say, I'm really a follower of Peter over here. Another one says, I'm really, I'm really cool with what Paul is saying. And Paul reminds them, you're a Christian church. You're a follower of Christ Jesus. You're not a follower of all these other, all these other different characters out there. <clears throat> so leadership is important, but lead, the head of the church is Jesus. Then you have the economic issues that are going on inside there. It's a typical uh, Greek, it's a, it's a Roman, most of the people here are Romans, but it's, it's a typical um, city of this particular era in the fact that you've got a few very rich people and a whole lot of much less well-off people. And the rich are treating the less well-off pretty shabbily. <clears throat> but I think what bothers Paul the most is, the, is this bad idea of the theology they represent. It's the fact that they continue to behave, continue to think, continue, continue to be much the way they were before they became Christians. Now, with the understanding that Paul is talking to us from having met Jesus the one time on the road to Damascus where he gets knocked off his own horse and gets changed in the direction of his life, he didn't get to walk around with Jesus through Galilee for three and a half years like Peter did. But nonetheless, he thinks he knows something about who this guy Jesus is. And I, he, he never actually quotes, he never actually quotes out of, out of the Gospel of John, but for Paul, this idea of love is an important manifestation of being a Christian, which that, this, I will show you the next most excellent way, he will then move into a discourse on what love looks like. <coughs> and he will tell us what that love looks like. I, I like to sometimes go back to what this book says that Jesus said himself about certain subjects. And so one thing I offer to you is if you go back to John, the Gospel of John, and you go to chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus would say to the community there, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And that may sound simple, but the reality is if you step back and think about what, what is behind that word as, 
He's in heaven. He comes to earth. He's divine. He becomes human. He hasn't died yet, but he is there for a specific purpose. He is there to sacrifice himself on our behalf. So I, I like to think of Christ-like love as sacrificial level love. That's where we need to think about that. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't know if Paul ever heard it phrased exactly that way by any of the apostles that he encountered in his journeys. But he seems to get a grasp, he seems to clearly have a grasp that that is what he's expected to do because he then launches into this discourse about how important love is to the community there in Corinth. So they are getting an F in loving each other. They're getting an F in loving each other because they're all focused on who they are. They are as individuals. I wish I could sit here and say to you the church isn't experiencing any of these issues anymore, that we've gotten past all of that. I, I wish I could say that, but it's not true. It's not true. We still have times where uh, we divide up and we, and, we, and we face the possibility of division, of schism in the church. Sometimes it happens locally. Sometimes it happens regionally. Sometimes it happens nationally. Sometimes in the church, the United Methodist Church is facing it internationally, globally. We have done a lot since 1939 of bringing various strains back together. Five different elements of what was the Wesleyan movement have come back together under the United Methodist Church. I would like to believe that John Wesley would be happy with us. Now, I don't know how many of you have John Wesley bobblehead dolls. <laughs> this one's previously broken. He's previously been broken. And I just, I shook him too hard, so I guess the answer was he's still broken. But he stays here, he's back here with, um, with the sound booth usually, but he's staring at me, okay? So I'm preaching every sermon, I'm trying to think what John, John Wesley's watching me, okay? Now, John Wesley talked a little bit about the subject of division. And if somebody had gone to John Wesley's sermon in 1785 talking about division, they would have come in and said, what did, what did Mr. Wesley have to say? He said he talked about division. Well, was he for it or again it? You can answer it for me. He was again, again it. All right? He would even come up and say that it's just it's shabby for us to, to focus on ourselves and we forget love to love each other as Christians. He very much goes back to this passage in Corinthians. He very much goes back to the passage in John to remind the entire community of where it is that they're failing. So, at that point in the sermon, when I was going to give you the whole one, I would have sung again. I would have sung again, and I would have sung the words, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on my side, on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. It's similar to what we talked about last week, which was, I don't know where God's going to be. I don't know what's exactly going to happen in, in St. Louis, Missouri, at the end of February, precisely when the church comes together. And we had this conversation, but God's going to be there. And what Wesley would remind us of is this 
new commandment that John tell that John quotes Jesus as saying, "Love each other as I have loved you, sacrificially." Now, John or Paul would never have understood it the following ways, but I think they, they had probably had their own Greek understanding of it. But we would, in our industrialized world, we can think of it as industrial strength love. Industrial strength love. It's this love that is there for us, and we understand how Jesus gives that to us. The question we need to always be asking ourselves when people come to us with ideas and need to add, they, they, want to, they want to advocate on behalf of the church, the question I think we need to ask is, how much does the recommendation sound like Jesus? How much does it sound like Jesus? We need to be able to develop that ability when people come in and make recommendations as to how the church should proceed. If the church should proceed and it doesn't sound like Jesus, it may be failing the test of 1 John 4, verse 20. 1 John 4, verse 20, for those of you that have been here multiple times, have heard me use it. It's this idea of test every spirit. And if the spirit sounds like Jesus, it probably is from Jesus. And if, the, if you test the spirit and it sounds like flesh, it sounds like Satan, it probably is not from Jesus. So you hear the spirit come down and say, cut Alan Locke's head off, okay? Is that from the spirit? Probably not, okay? If, it, if the spirit comes, if the voice you hear comes down and says, make all the money you possibly can and keep it all for yourself and give none of it away, is that probably from the spirit? No, probably not. And I could repeat myself and go on and on. But I think one of the things might be, if go to, go to St. Louis, go to Salt Lake, and break the church apart in such a way that it's weaker than it was before. Is that, a, is that something from the Spirit? So as you leave today and go to our potluck, and you can sit down and say to somebody who wasn't here, you can, they, you can, they can ask you the question, what did Pastor Dennis preach on today? And your answer would be, he preached on division. What was he for? How, how, how did he come out? He was again it. What should we all be? We should be again it. Here's the takeaway for the day. Here's the takeaway for the day. Paul lays it out very well in 1 Corinthians 12. Unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does not mean uniformity. You look at the example that Paul, functional body. If you, ha if you had a body that was all one eyeball, would it be a functional body? If you had a body that was all apostles, who would do some of the potluck kind of stuff, all right? We need different gifts and different graces to be able to respond to this. And we have been given those to be able to do this. Unity does not mean uniformity. I would hope that one of the things we can do is to be a big tent denomination. A big, a big tent denomination which tolerates a little idiosyncratic behavior over here, a little idiosyncratic behavior over here. Heck, they ordained me. They allowed me to come preach. That's certainly a little bit of idiosyncratic behavior. I was a guy who 25 years ago didn't believe in Jesus. And just guess what? I would suggest that 
allowing us to be big tent, to operate with kindness. If, if our strategy is to understand Jesus in terms of industrial strength love, the closing remark I would like to make for us is to be kind in such a way that it could be called industrial strength kindness. Way too often in the world, we sit down and try to make it make the point that I'm right. Well, I'm right on this. I'm right. One of the most powerful comments I got once was this idea, when, when faced with the choice of being right or kind, choose kind. Choose kind. I don't know what Jesus would say about this whole debate going on about where we're going to be or end up, but I wonder if the poet who wrote the words to the piece that the bells played isn't part of it. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we know that you are indeed watching us. We know that you are indeed loving us. You know that you are indeed patient with us. Let us show kindness in all that we do, an industrial strength version of that kindness. And allow us to keep from being divided. Allow us to continue to be the united body of Christ, working for you in God's world. And all of God's children say, Amen. Please stand as you are able. We're going to sing out of the faith we sing, number 22. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 1030. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.